From Washington, this is the HPS Macrocast with Hamilton Place Strategies and Markets Policy Partners. Hello, welcome to HPS Insight Macrocast. This is Tony Fratto with Hamilton Place Strategies. Uh, off today is uh, John Fagan, who's off on uh, uh, vacation. John from uh, Markets Policy Partners. Uh, Brendan Walsh is here in the studio with us today, as is my colleague Matt McDonald, from, also from Hamilton Place Strategies. It's uh, a, an eventful Friday, August 23rd. Uh, we don't usually have eventful Fridays uh, in August in Washington, but we had it, we had it today. Uh, with the the uh, highly anticipated uh, speech by Chairman Powell out of the the, uh, the the normal Kansas City um, Fed fly fishing and monetary policy retreat um, at Jackson Hole, and uh, and so he had some things to say about monetary uh, policy today and the economy and uh, uh, and trade, and then we had reaction from uh, the president, who I'm not sure that uh, he. Uh, uh, whoever whoever was in charge of briefing him on expectations for the Powell speech, I think missed the mark maybe uh, a little bit. But let's dive into the chairman's uh, anticipated speech first. Matt, what's your read on it? My I mean, my take reading through the speech was there's there's two. One, I think from a markets perspective, and Brennan can speak to this better than I, but I th- I think he I think it was important for the perception of it to be not a change in policy. And just from a some of the back and forth, I think there's been some credibility that he he just needed to like land the plane. Exactly. I think what was priced into the market, he was okay with a, a few more. He didn't want to to change that narrative, and he didn't. Um, before the speech, uh, we had 93 percent odds of one cut in September. Uh, after the speech, we had uh, it was like 88, 89 percent. So he he didn't move the markets. Yeah, away. and and I would say within the subject uh, the of the speech, I <laughs> I started reading the speech and I was like, let me start in the nineteen forties. <laughs> you know, like, okay, well we're going deep. Um, I, my my takeaway is that there's he spoke to two challenges that the Fed is facing. The first is a different trade regime by the administration and. The Fed hasn't really operated in an environment where they have an anti-trade administration. And so how do they deal with that and its effects on the economy? And then the second dynamic that he addressed was he spoke about it in terms of kind of the what is the natural rate of inflation and asked and posed the the question of whether that natural rate of inflation is in fact lower than it has been in the past. They've been you know, he kind of said we're we're in the zone, but not hitting the two percent mark. You have the dynamic of the EU and what they're trying to do on monetary policy in in loosening, and then and then you add to that some of the stuff that we've talked about in the past in terms of demographic trends over time and what that implies in terms of interest rates, and then the yield curve and everybody's kind of feeling their way through what new normal looks like, which is how he termed it. And so I think he did, I think he did a good job of teeing up these two, one short, one short term in theory and one very long term dynamic that are new dynamics for the fed and how they're, I would, I would say it didn't, it didn't really come across as a, here's our playbook going forward. It was more of a, these are different than the challenges of the past. And this is what we're wrestling with. And Add to that a, and we are working hard to maintain the expansion, and that is really important. And I think that was the basic message. 
Yeah, I totally agree. But so in '95 and '98, we did these uh, mid-cycle adjustments, and we cut three, four times. Mm-hmm. But then both times we we went back and hiked again. And I think he was trying to set up that dynamic where I'm okay to to try to keep this going, but we're not going to zero. Right. I think. I mean, if you, I mean, read the speech, and um, he was. Uh, he was giving. He was trying to give a uh, a little bit of a history lesson here Very too. Much. And you think of like, well, who's he giving the history lesson for? I'm going to speculate on that. But he he was setting up his decisions. One of the things when he went back to the you know the pre uh, Volcker days of um, you know educating on monetary policy, he talked about the stop and you know the the you know stop and go and how mm-hmm. that that level of uncertainty for market participants right. leads to bad. Outcomes and in fact leads to inflation. Uh, and you know, then we have the great moderation, and inflation isn't the problem today. But that was, you know, it was trying to. Uh, uh, to your to your point about sort of you know uh, communicating to markets the um, uh, consistency of their policy and where their direction, which something which he has been. I think probably right, rightly criticized for Very for much. right. I mean, they had to make a, a pretty significant change. Uh, in their uh, in their uh, interest rate outlook, uh, so I think he's sort of demonstrating his you know commitment to that and trying to tell market participants that that's the way they're looking at the uh, at the future. They want to be they want to communicate better and they see it in a broader message. On the trade front, though, the thing that is outside of his control, which you know we saw this with um, his uh, you know after the the last FOMC announcement, he uh, was you know very clear on the concerns about. Volatility in the trade front, and, and, and not just not just like you know an administration that's negative, but also as we saw again today, in you know great relief, just volatility on trade, you know, um, you know up and down, and the, the inability to predict where totally. anything is going on trade. The chairman referred to it as unprecedented. Those are unprecedented. Um, it's an unprecedented situation for a monetary authority to have to deal with, and I think that's fair. Right? Yeah. We've never seen anything like this with, um, you know, uh, the two biggest economies in the world lobbing, you know, tariff threats and actual tariffs at each other. And uh, well, then during during the week when he's, uh, you know, the <laughs> making news this is coming out as, yeah. as, as yeah. he's no, it was about a it. fascinating timing because, you know, Powell definitely called out Trump, you know, in that speech. And Trump waited about seven minutes to, <laughs> to justify uh, all those which uh, resulted those, in a, those warnings in an immediate uh, 400 point uh, drop in the uh, in the Dow that, right you know right yeah and, so the, the market was actually the equities had kind of come back after the the Fed uh, Powell speech and uh, you know the dollar was slightly weakening so the the market took it as dovish and uh, and rates uh, actually rates had rallied a little bit but uh, then everyone forgot about Powell and now we're well, uh, your son, who has been my intern this summer, uh, mentioned uh, in one tweet we both called the premier of China an enemy, which is incredible news upon but, itself. But, but then also the Fed chairman, the Fed chairman, yeah, who's worse? I think is what he. Uh, yes, and he's said. worse. The Fed chairman, the Powell's worse than you. Uh, yeah, which is really it, look. So it's so it's unprecedented, and um, and it is a challenge for him to to deal with now. There is the other, you know, there is the other side that we talked about for some time, which is, you know, it's possible the Fed's probably, you know, maybe, you know, maybe they are uh, late. The, the economy has been mm-hmm. somewhat hard to read. We have seen, um, you know, we have seen uh, the, uh, you know, inverted yield curve. We see global slowdown. We haven't got any new 
good news this week on right. where the global economy is going. The global PMIs were now everything's below fifty. The the U.S. one came in um, below fifty for the first time, mm-hmm. you know, since the last recession. It's hard to. I will say on the on the Trump critique of the Fed, it's on some, and I'm not. It, it's difficult to decouple what is. Uh, actual policy critique, quote unquote, versus what is political insurance, right. and and I'm not, it's I'm an not sure that point. there's any difference, but it is an aspect of like even, I don't know. I think that there's an aspect of like he is making sure that he has someone to blame if if things go sideways, and that is a non-trivial part of the the jawboning from the White House. Yeah, exactly. It's what look. It's one of the things that we've uh, you know when people think about like, what what is this whole thing about you know, um, uh, central bank independence. What's that, you know, what's mm-hmm. that about? What's the point of that? And, you know, part of the point of that is that we see not just in the United States, but in economies all across the world and lots of academic study on this, where presidents who are in democratic systems and have to go get elected tend to put pressure on their, yep. on their right? some of them, uh, some of them have fiscal controls and they go and you see deficits rise. I remember looking at Ghana over a period of 20 right. years, right? Every, they got, they got democracy first, you know, uh, sub-Saharan African country to um, uh, uh, have a democracy after South Africa. And, uh, and you would see every, you know, election season though, there would be this uh, increase in the deficit, so increased spending during election years. You see the same thing in a lot of countries with monetary authorities where like very loose policy to right. juice the economy ahead of the election. Well, that was, that was the reason why um, the U.S. Treasury Department, when I was there, and others would go around the world and tell countries that are trying to uh, make their environment predictable for market participants mm-hmm. and economic actors to at least have this one anchor, which is a monetary authority that isn't politicized. It isn't uh, going up and down willy-nilly with the whims of the uh, of, a, of the president, uh, who could be at at worst, erratic, and, and best even just maybe just trying to you know um, yeah. do something in its interest in the near term. Well, you saw it in Argentina when the the finance minister resigned after uh, the uh, polls and the economy tank. The economy it had kind of settled, and then once he left, it tanked again because now you're worried that the the politics you are going to take over. You know? you know, on the on the politics of the economy is that we're also coming off a week plus of a lot of political commentary on the state of the economy yep. and whether it is weakening and what the shadow of that looks like for the president's reelection and that sort of stuff. So all of that stuff, I'm sure, is top of mind. Yeah, um, which I think that's what the Chinese did the analysis on. They've watched Trump now on the campaign trail a bit. He must be getting somewhat negative feedback on the economy from uh, the, the rallies. And now we've talked about a couple kind of silly payroll tax and indexing to um, mm-hmm. to inflation. I mean, uh, the, the, the capital, capital gains. gains. So he, I always thought that was a silly idea because that's a tax cut for the rich, and that's not his base. But he confirmed that to us uh, this week that he's not involved in that. Uh, but then we get the weak PMIs. The U.S. one's below 50. And I think this morning, with China putting the tariffs on us, they, they put their chips into the center of the table and said, all right, are you going to blink? And he seems to have put his chips into the table too, but yeah. now now we got a standoff. I don't know. How do you think it plays Could, out? I, I don't I don't think anybody knows and I think of um, you know I, I think I want to just try to observe what we're what we're seeing and, and I think it's re- it's a really tough environment to make predictions because I, it's, if you it's make, impossible to make yeah if you try yeah. to make predictions on what you think ought to happen we, we keep seeing we're not seeing things go in that 
direction. So what ought to happen isn't necessarily happened. Look, the easy thing to do, if you were a president uh, facing potential uh, economic downturn, heading into an election year, and everybody is telling you inside your building and outside your building that your trade war is causing an economic drag, and we're not telling you to put down your arms and not fight it, but can you go do it in a way that's a little bit more productive? So keep this process going, talk about talks, talk, talk about things going forward. The market would react really positively yeah. if they just thought, okay, they're gonna have substantive meetings. If he came out and said, we're gonna talk for the next six months, we're gonna meet every six weeks, uh, we're gonna meet here and in China and try to work to a positive resolution, the market would take off at that news alone. No, So no actual accomplishment exactly. on anything, just positive, vibes yeah. well I, right i think that this is it, um greg it made this point this week is that there is this dimension to all of this of of there's a there's a sentiment aspect to this and whatever the there's there's two dimensions to the trade war one is that it is one is that it's an economic drag and two is that it's just preoccupying people's minds right. and to the extent that you're really late in a in a recovery cycle and people are wondering how long this is going to go on just the the kind of animal spirits on that side of it it gets a little dicey and some of the trade the heated trade discussions can end up being worse in kind of the in on that side of just where people's heads are at in terms of the economy than even in practice I agree with that. I want to uh, I want to take a break here and I want to come back and actually dive uh, just a, a little bit more into that on how we're, how just we don't usually talk about the politics around it. I do, but we are heading into an election year and I think maybe more than ever before politics are going to play uh, a big role. And so I want to talk a little bit about how uh, how they're talking about the economy, some things that they might uh, you know possibly ought to be uh, doing, but let's come back and have a little bit of uh, uh, politics and economic policy making. Uh, talk. You're listening to the Macrocast, and we'll be right back. Every two weeks, HPS measures U.S. adults' feelings and expectations for the economy. The Microsoft News Civic Science Economic Sentiment Index, powered by HPS, accurately measures movements in overall national economic sentiment and provides a more sophisticated alternative to existing economic sentiment indices. To learn more, contact us through HamiltonPlaceStrategies.com. All right, we're back on the Macrocast. Uh, Brendan Walsh with Markets Policy Partners uh, and Matt McDonald, uh, my colleague here at Hamilton Place Strategies. Um, so we want to talk a little bit about the, the, the politics of this. Uh, you know, uh, I remember being, uh, you know, in the White House having to answer questions of, you know, are you in a, are you in a, are we in a recession <laughs> back in 2007? And, you know, the National Bureau of Economic Research they're, uh, they have a something called a recession dating committee yep. um, that um, that you know that dates when recessions begin and end and uh, and I would always push it off on them and say I don't call <laughs> I don't call recessions they call recessions go ask them you know but, but our job is to go and put things in place to try to you know make sure that growth is sustained but it's a real it's almost an unfair like a place where I have like a lot of sympathy for is you know for uh, officials who have to answer this yeah. question like are you concerned about a recession because if they say <laughs> yes we're concerned about a recession that's your headline everywhere right. and I think it does have an economic uh, effect right it has a 
causes it could cause people to um, stop uh, being active economically. But on the flip side, it is your job to be concerned. About it is your job <laughs> to be concerned, and uh, and you might look like a, aloof if you say, you right. know, what what recession yield curve what yeah. you know, and just uh, and just go on. So it's a tough place. Tough place to be, but then that's enormous. We weren't even running for re-election, right. right? But they are running for re-election, Matt. Yeah, um, I mean, <laughs> I think, and uh, it's funny because um, you could see the irritation in the White House and the staff. Um, is that I forget one of the, one of them was talking about how uh, complaining about like the kind of media, the political media cycle on is the economy weakening and how much that was covered. And they're kind of like, wait a minute, what? Where were you like three months ago? Like when 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 the economy's been going great? Why why are now we talking about the economy right. all the time? I mean, um, I think that look, I mean, on some level, there's uh, the big impacts that they can have on the economy are the impacts that they had with the tax cut package years ago, and and trying to, um, and then they just have to kind of count on that to carry through. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, this is the bed that they're in, right? Yep. So from a policy perspective, it's not clear to me, like, how or if you can address the economy going forward. Well, certainly not in this situation, right? I mean, they... Um, I mean, from a trade perspective, that's they're, something they they're in the driver's yeah, That's seat. the point. They can't stimulate the economy anymore, but they can take away the negative yeah. that has been the drag. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. And look, I mean, they, if they want to... You know, they, they they came out. There's two things they can do. They, well, they get three, maybe three things. One is they can do something on trade by getting more positive on trade and less, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, hot. The uh, the other thing they can do is job owning, which they've been yep. done a, doing a lot of job owning to, you know, limited effect, I think. And uh, and then the third is you go out and propose policy ideas that could at least, you know, help people think, right? But the, right? And, and, and attitudinally, you have voters saying, oh, they have. They have this top of mind and they care and right. that's what they the lights are on do. and they're yeah. doing something. Yep. But but the ideas that they've rolled out in the last not even rolled out rolled out is not the right word, you know, sort of tossed out um, yeah, things like well the payroll out. tax yeah. and they're not very well thought out. They wouldn't be big. Well, that it does, doesn't Congress, seem so to be happen. Yeah. The irony is that um, you know Trump announced I don't know at a rally or on Twitter I can't remember exactly I think it was at a rally that. Um, you know that before the midterm elections, that he was that they're working on a ten percent middle class tax cut, yeah. and uh, and then every kind of been, you know, and then Ways and Means said, yeah, oh yeah, yes, we're working on it, and clearly they had not, but no one had been working on a middle class <laughs> tax cut. But the irony is, had they been working on yeah. a middle class tax cut, they'd actually have something right now to be out there talking about that wouldn't look like it's in yep. reaction to an economic downturn. Just it's part of their policy you know, one of their policies that they're out there uh, fighting for. So mm-hmm. they should have kind of done the work on it, yeah. at least so they had it. But, you know, I, look, maybe it's time for infrastructure week, <laughs> right? I mean, like, I, I mean. You know, I will say, like, going back to um, to Jay Powell's remarks is that there was a chunk of that, of his speech, where he was saying the economy is strong. And totally agree. Consumers yeah. strong and the job market is strong. And Specifically, the, it does employers have, are having a hard time finding quality help. Yeah, it does have it does have this quality of like the uh, the foundations there. It's just like the fights and the news and the coverage is all it's all destabilized. Let's be clear. I th- if if the White House this morning or if the president himself on Twitter had come out 
and tweeted his agreement with yep. Powell that mm-hmm. wages Good are job. strong and unemployment yeah. is low and inflation is low and the, all the positive things he said about the strength of the U.S. economy. If that's what he went out and did, that would have been you know that would have been very well received yep. and uh, and uh, would have been would have been great. But uh, obviously that's. Not uh, that's not because um, even happened. the market took the the Chinese increase in tariffs fairly well. I mean, yeah. It was down a little bit, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't yeah. panic in the streets. Yeah, as a political measure, you know, I joke about infrastructure week, but it might not be about if they if he did come out um, in this situation with a um, a, a big uh, infrastructure package and dumped it on. You know Nancy Pelosi's yeah. lap Call and Chuck said, and Nancy and say, hey, "Yeah, hey, like you're concerned about the, the economy, and we want to do infrastructure. Here's our plan. Let's go." That puts them in a really difficult situation because yep. you can't be out there saying, "Hey, like the economy's not doing so great, uh, but you've got this infrastructure plan sitting in front of you that would put people to work and go mm-hmm. take care of this problem that you've been talking about for." For a long time, politically, it might not be uh, a bad thing to do. It may have, some, you know, some it wouldn't have near-term economic benefits, but at least aspirational. Right. I want to. I want to go back to uh, what you were talking about in terms of the the counterfactual of what if Trump had responded differently this morning? Because the other really interesting counterfactual going forward is like, okay, what if he gets voted out of office and who takes his place? And the interesting thing about that is that it's not entirely clear to me that trade wars go away. It's not entirely clear to me that there's yeah, like... We've talked about that. Uh, Elizabeth Warren's foreign policy is not that different from Foreign from economic Trump. policy foreign is, exactly. is identical yeah. to Trump. Yeah. yeah. So, it, I mean, it's interesting to um, it's interesting to both watch market reaction and think about the state of the play in the on the Democratic side of the race because uh, it's not... On, on some of these issues that we're describing in when we get down to it next year, there may not actually be much of a choice. It may just be kind of two different versions of similar approaches. On yeah. Maybe, and I think the, the market maybe is, the approach will be different, but the policy might be uh, similar. Yeah. No, you're right. But the, the market is kind of just focusing on Biden's going to win and Biden will go back to the Obama and everything will be fine and hunky-dory and kind of ignoring the um, the other candidates who, who have very different uh, views. It's pretty wide-ranging, especially foreign economic uh, solutions. Yeah. Assuming that um, if that's you know if that's the case, whoever the if, if it's a uh, if it's a Democratic president, and you're left with um, you know the, the economy sort of hoisted on this tr- you know trade war, unresolved yeah. trade war. If we're in an unresolved trade war situation, um, you know if you were advising that you know that president what to do you know you may you know you may go look and see if there are any leftover reset buttons to go and you mm-hmm. know, sort of restart you know restart those uh, discussions but to your point if uh, you know they may be directionally where some of them want to go and you may not want to begin your presidency with a um, what you know what a lot of people will call a surrender. I know on the, on the trade war, you know, either too. So we're getting way ahead of ourselves uh, on that <laughs> if we get, get go, go, you know going that far. I think in the near term, though, um, they're not. You know, when you have things like and we had the you know the yield curve uh, yep. invert again this week, so um, that they may they, you know they want to uh, blame this on uh, uh, reporters. Uh, you know, asking about uh, the uh, t- you know talking about recession, talking down the economy, or the Democrats talking down the economy. 
and they may have a, a fair case on that if there wasn't an you know actual yeah. event out there for anybody to point to and say, well, this indicator has been successful every time in the past, yeah. so um, it's fair game to talk about recession, and you need to have answers for the, the recession question, and you need to have better answers than you know, sort of walking out and tossing around, you know, dusted off old. Yeah. Um, uh, no, it's plans. a really important point. And so, uh, one of the big banks did a piece today that they 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 do a lot of the trading in the treasuries. And this strategist thought that about fifty percent of the recent uh, flattening of the yield curve was from technical uh, measures, uh, hedging and uh, things like that, and also uh, banks having to buy. But but irrelevant of that, the the. the Inversion of the yield curve can can just become a self fulfilling prophecy. Mm-hmm. It doesn't yeah. matter how we got here. If yeah. you're, a, you know, a CEO, right. every time it's kind of predicted recession, shouldn't you be cautious? Yeah. Um, okay. Why don't we uh, Why don't we take our last break there and uh, come back and look ahead to uh, to next week? Um, you're listening to the Macrocast. Markets Policy Partners provide sophisticated financial market analysis that is independent, accessible, and actionable for a broad audience. Learn more at marketspolicy.com. Okay, we're back on the HPS Insight Macrocast. Uh, Brendan, you know we're we're you know we're uh, we have some data coming up next week. Not a lot. It is August, uh, right. and you know ought to be vacation seasons the last week of August. So, what are you paying attention to next week? Uh, so on the U.S. front, we get uh, the uh, July personal income and spending, uh, and within that same report, we get the uh, U.S. PCE uh, price index. Uh, so that's the Fed's preferred uh, inflation measurement. And uh, we saw a fairly high CPI print for July, so uh, the market's expecting um, you know, also a, a slight uh, firming of the uh, inflation numbers uh, in the U.S., which uh, Chairman Powell kind of mentioned today. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that'll be the big ones in the in the U.S. Uh, in uh, Europe, we have uh, a lot of confidence data, so European confidence measures, and then we also have uh, the unemployment and uh, the their CPI inflation measures. But probably the big one uh, that people will be paying attention, pay attention to in Europe is the uh, the potential to form a new uh, Italian government uh, after the fall. Uh, yeah, that was a long uh, that was a long fall coming. <laughs> it was <laughs> sort of like, you know, seeing somebody fall down the Spanish steps uh, in Rome. <laughs> yeah, it's like there was a long, a long fall when it finally happened and Conti, you know, announced it. I think uh, uh, Salvini's reaction was uh, something like it's about time, yeah. or, you know, something like that. I think he but was at a party. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It's one of the. Um, you know, Italy is going to remain an important uh, uh, economy in in, uh, in Europe, but we've got you know lots unsettled there, and we still we're heading into the fall of Brexit. Yep, um, not seeing any um, real resolution there, any expectation that yeah. it's going to be anything but a. Uh, in fact, opposite. They're actually planning worse. Yeah, so they're planning for the breakout. Yeah. So, um, you know, you you know, like the trade war. Um, you know, these kinds of unsettling activities, um, you know, China distracted by you know, not just the economic downturn that they have, but events in uh, in Hong Kong. Right. So there, there's a lot of uncertainty out there that uh, if you're an investor, you're a business, and you're trying to plan the future, um, it's more challenging for you. Yep. All right. That's, uh, that's the macrocast for uh, this week. 
uh, Brendan Walsh, Markets Policy Partners. Um, we'll look forward to seeing uh, John Fagan back. Uh, yep, when he'll he's, be back. When he's back in town. Matt McDonald, Hampton Place Strategies, and I'm Tony Fratto. Uh, we'll catch you next week. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the HPS Macrocast. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and share.